Welcome to Refirement Life, the podcast for anyone navigating life transitions or planning to make life transitions to ensure your next years are your best years. Listen in for insightful, generous, and sometimes humorous conversation. It's time to get fired up with Christine Zamuda and Muge Wood, your hosts for this latest episode of Refirement Life. Hello, and welcome to episode 14 of Refirement Life. I'm Christine Zamuda, and today's topic is a meaty one. We're going to talk about, in light of all of the reduction in workforce, the layoffs that are happening in, in tech, can big tech have more compassion? And in today's podcast series, we're going to look back at the last six months. As most are aware, there have been massive, massive layoffs. According to the data compiled in layoffs.fyi, which is an online tracker, it says that over 784 tech companies have laid off over 200,000 people. And that's considerably up compared to last year. So last year, the number was you know roughly 165,000. So today we're going to talk about what's transpired, what might have been done better or differently, and what do these actions signal for p- people in tech today and and really actually um, people dependent on this economy because the technology sector has a big bearing on how the economy performs. With me today is M3 Sweat, who describes himself as a customer experience executive, independent strategic advisor, um, also a big ally of accessibility and special needs. I was drawn to M3 because of the two-part research study he did on Microsoft specifically, who was one of the um, companies who uh, certainly laid off a good number of folks. So welcome, M3, to the show. Thanks, Christine. Good to see you today. Again, uh, as I've I've said before, you know, uh, first-time caller, long-time listener, great to be able to put uh, face to name. We've been on so many communications over the years. Uh, Happy to participate today. Yeah, yeah, me me as well. I'm I'm a big fan and I'm a big a fan of what you've been doing on LinkedIn just to keep information flowing, give people thoughtful uh guidance to think about that they can take and make their lives, you know, better and um, you know, just just leverage the the insights that you're collecting. So so M3, tell me a little bit about your journey and and a little bit about your background and also what led you to do these two recent research surveys um, zeroing in on, on Microsoft's experience there. Sure. Uh, I think, you know, the, when I look back, you know, I've been working in the, the tech industry for, gosh, about 35 years. Uh, I worked at Microsoft for about two thirds of that, about 22 plus years at the company, recently retired. And I think one of the things that you know I had found was just the amount of work that we do day to day. There's there's so much information that we get subjected to, and so much information we have when it comes down to the work we do uh, at the company. Uh, I found as well is that there really wasn't a lot of information that was being shared uh, publicly uh, about the experiences that employees were having, you know, in the experience itself. And when I looked at that, it was really talking about employees both at the company, who were the ones who remained behind, but also the ones who have been impacted by some of these rifts overall. 
you know, Microsoft's case, you know, more than 10,000 people uh, were, were targeted for, you know, reductions in force, rifts, as we call them at the company, uh, layoffs, you know, more than those, uh, those two, part of those 200,000 plus people that have been laid off in, you know, in tech and in the industry over you know, the last six to 12 months. And it's a huge, huge number. And one of the things that I found was, you know, as I started the near retirement, as I started to look at this work as well, I, I had spent a lot of my time at the company, you know, writing reports and sharing communications, you know, with our executive staff, with our senior leadership team, uh, with other members and around the world, uh, you know, tens of thousands of employees at the company. It's hard to take the program manager out of the person uh, <laughs> and, and being able to kind of get through that rhythm. Uh, and so I started to apply that same effort, you know, in some communications I started to frame on LinkedIn and had gotten tremendous feedback from it. Uh, positive, mostly positive. Uh, I think, you know, some of it was also just very introspective, but I wanted to be able to look at this in, in, in an empirical way. And again, one of the, the the last programs that I led at the company was our customer partner experience effort and where we run the largest worldwide survey of any company talking to millions of our customers and partners several times a year. And also in conjunction with our product groups and marketing teams that also talk to you know, vignettes of their customers and partners to really understand the satisfaction and sentiment you know, of mm -hmm. what customers are saying, thinking and feeling in the moment. And so I kind of applied that same effort, although in a much smaller way, you know, to the same work that we saw around uh, the layoffs. And so I, we have, there's a large, significant community of employees impacted by layoffs in tech and at Microsoft uh, on LinkedIn uh, and on Facebook. And as a result, I leveraged those folks asking them key questions. And so put together, you know, a short survey, but also spent a lot of time talking and listening to uh, the folks that were impacted. And so I started to reflect that in the posts that I had uh, put up uh, on, on Facebook over the last few months. Yeah. And I like that you covered the pros and the cons. And if you look at some of the bigger tech companies, I think between Google, Meta, Microsoft, and Amazon, 51,000 people were laid off, right? And some did things well, some, th some did them, you know, really, really uh, in, in a I would say not so desirable way for the employee experience. If you look at Google as an example, what I heard and read was most um, employees impacted received a an email and they were immediately cut off from the network. Um, some of which were in front of customers, some of which were, you know, traveling, you know, just really um, kind of um, interesting way to approach it. So when you went into the Microsoft case, what did you find that the team did well? Yeah, you know, it, and, and it's easy to be critical. I think mm -hmm. you know, even one of the things that we found through the customer partner satisfaction research that we did regularly, you know, everyone always focuses on the negatives because mm -hmm. it's like, what can I go fix? You know, everything's a nail and I am a hammer trying to solve these problems. But you also have to look in what are you doing well because you want to be able to double down on those things. It's That's easy right. to kind of move people from, you know, dis it's it's easy to move people from the 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 mid swing voter area up into satisfied. It's more difficult to really attack those folks who are dissatisfied. So I really want to be able to look at this in a balanced way. And you know, Microsoft did a lot of good things. Uh, you know, Microsoft is a good company. I think you know, there's a reason why they're at the top of many of these lists overall about the best places to work. 
And, you know, as much as a riff is, you know, not a fun thing and it really impacts and it can have serious repercussions for people, you know, there are good ways to handle it. And again, Microsoft, this is not a new thing. The company has had reductions of force, you know, as long as I've been at the company. Um, and I, they were able to, you know, address a number of things. I think one of the things that they've done was they announced, you know, the number of people who are going to be impacted. They tried to look at it in a very programmatic way. Um, they also made sure that, you know, in one of these cases, you know, they generally provide, and it's based upon region and country, you know, uh, the amount of time that people get uh, before they actually are exited from the company. They have the opportunity to say their goodbyes. They have the opportunity to finish and complete their work and be able to transfer it effectively. And many of the people that I work with, high, you know, you know well-educated uh, and uh, experienced professionals take the time to do off and do that work because they want to make sure they left it better than they found it. That's right. And so when you combine that, you know, with, again, the, I think, you know, some of the, the the benefits that they offered to many, I think, you know, there was a uh, there was a minimum amount of compensation uh, they would be providing to them as well. Um, and I had a chance to cover, I think, some of those things that's well known in the press. But I think when you add all these things together and then you reflect it against some of the experiences you've mentioned, yeah, that's where Microsoft comes out, you know, in a positive light. And of course, I think that, you know, that level of respect and the integrity and the accountability that you've really driven, particularly also with Satya's move into the CEO uh, level and his incredible executive staff. Uh, I think they've done a really good job as best they can in a difficult situation. Of course, it is self-inflicted. You know, it's the decision mm -hmm. they make based upon the realities in the market and how they execute on it is as important as what they do. Yeah, yeah. I think the hard thing for a lot of people to manage through was the fact that it was a rolling layoff. And people didn't actually know if their role was impacted, if their business was impacted. And what we found were many of the HR dates of termination were leaked. And so those days would come each month and people were just waiting, you know, texting everyone. Did you did you hear anything? Did you hear anything? Oh, I've got a meeting with HR. I know what this is, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I think that there I guess there's you know definitely business benefits to keeping things rolling if you want to maximize impact. But there's also productivity uh, declines, right? When there's that level of stress in the workplace. Sure. I mean, when the, you know, there's business realities, first of all, I mean, I was mm -hmm. at the company and I think you were as well, you know, when we saw some significant layoffs related to the Nokia acquisition many years mm -hmm. ago, uh, it's one of the, actually it's one of the, uh, uh, activities that Satya, I think had, had to handle early in his tenure as CEO, you know, was laying off tens of thousands of people as well, mm -hmm. uh, early on, uh, huge challenge. But I think one of the realities you find in these is that you you cannot just take it and address it all in one fell swoop because just the logistics of handling such a large number of people in a single day I, I think is challenging and overwhelming. Now you balance that with you know the the planning and the approach to doing this over a rolling period over three months, but it creates a sort of Damocles that hangs over the heads of those who remain not knowing whether or not they're going to be impacted. And I think what, the other thing that you mentioned as well is the, uh, I think the the bully pulpit that goes on and the discussions that people have about who's impacted, what's coming next. Uh, couple that as well with, you know, the realities of the, being an international worldwide company. And, you know, when, when it's Sunday here, it's Monday overseas. And Correct. as a result, when you start to see some of your partners or your compatriots or peers being impacted, you know, on foreign soil, 
And you know that that's going to likely transition, uh, translate, you know, into something that happens as well in your backyard the next day. Um, that can have a real impact overall. And so I saw it directly, you know, where people have been impacted on a Sunday, you know, afternoon and Sunday evening, my time, you know, one day for them, uh, you know, basically was uh, predicated just the fact that it was going to happen, you know, here shortly as well. So again, it's a business reality. It's hard to manage, you know, dif difficult logistics, et cetera. Is it the right thing to do? I think you could even question whether or not is 10,000 the right number of people to be impacted because it is such a large, significant number percentage of the company. Although we did some amazing hiring, the company made some, some amazing hiring over COVID to really address the customer needs. Right, right. I also wonder in a, in a growth mindset type of way, if executives, when, when you're looking now back at the situation and what you could do to better or differently, I've noticed over the last several years, there's been a, a, a considerably constrained uh, resource in both HR and finance, you know, two critical, critical roles for a company to know, hey, what's coming down the pike? How are we doing, you know, health-wise? Mm -hmm. And then if we are managing change, do we have the HR personnel who can really help us navigate the change, make the right decisions, be there for the people in those times of great transition? And I have found that, you know, companies, not just Microsoft, are outsourcing mm -hmm. a lot of those critical roles. There's a lot of turnover in the, you know, vendor contract world that, has you know implications for for the the continuity and the knowledge and all of that wondering you know if that came up at all in some of your conversations or in your experience sure you know certainly i think one of the things that i've seen christine is that you know the the level of impact i think from the the resources and the materials that the company has at its disposal to be able to execute on some of these business realities you know, has changed over time. And I think mm -hmm. we've seen it with, you know, there've been public announcements where people who've been in recruiting, people who've been in employee engagement roles, they've also been impacted mm -hmm. in their HR capacities. Um, a number of those roles have been outsourced, but also even outsourced roles. But I've seen it from, you know, from companies in the industry, you know, also not only uh, setting adrift some of their folks from their own HR and recruiting teams, but also letting go some of the contracted resources they had. And I, and I think it's really important. I'm a huge fan of Man of Grant, as many people are. Um, and I think one of the things that, you know, uh, he, he talks about is the ability uh, to really review this and reflect and uh, as uh, executives, being able to really take the feedback and the criticism all along the way about when you make these decisions, being able to stand behind them, but also pivot and figure out what did you do right? What did you do wrong? What do I need to do differently next time? Uh, and it's one of those things that really had um, kind of struck a chord with me as well. And I think it's one of the things that you know the company can learn from. I've seen, uh, again, having been in the company 22 years, I've seen kind of the ebb and flow of, you know, when we were educated, when we learned things, how the how the learning was applied, mm -hmm. how how things changed, how that learning may have been forgotten, and then how you rinse, lather, and repeat the whole thing all over again. And uh, I think it's one where you know, seeing the uh, executive leadership in our HR team, uh, I think that the uh, the compassion and the empathy that people like Kathleen have uh, is super. I think that you know many of the executives have been through this you know several times and they've seen impacts on their own teams around the company. And I think it's really a question of like you know 
What do they learn from it? How are they going to do it differently? What are they going to apply going forward? And how do they make sure they don't get into this position next time? Uh, yeah. I think it's one of those things you just always want to make sure that you're not over hiring. And I think the company has been pretty good at managing that. But it almost makes you also wonder, you know, how do we get into a position where we have to let go so many people? And that the company had to let go so many people, many with a lot of tenure and experience, you know, and history of the company. And and it's it's one that, you know, that's where a lot of work gets done by those people who are able to execute quickly because they do have broad networks and deep understanding of how the machine works. That's right. That's right. So when you when you talk to the individuals who were impacted, maybe there's some learning there too. When you ask them, well, how did you describe your overall experience at Microsoft? What what mm-hmm. themes came through? Yeah, you know, the interesting thing was, and, and first of all, uh, I, I tried to really touch on and, and work with people, again, from a broad perspective. I didn't want to just mm-hmm. talk to those people who had an ax to grind or felt, you know, disenfranchised, et cetera. But by the way, which was their right? Um, because I would, I, I've been on the receiving end of this and I know what mm-hmm. I can feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got a good broad spectrum. And I think the interesting thing was is that, you know, um, what I expected about just a little less than 10 percent said they had a, a relatively good experience, you know, mm-hmm. in going through um, the effort of uh, not being not so much being laid off, but frankly, about how to execute in the next piece. How do they apply for roles? How do they look for them? How do they uh, find ways to finding their next opportunity? Uh, but overwhelmingly, you know, again, you know, I think it was over 70 or 80 percent, you know, had a really negative experience uh, in, in the, in the, uh, um, the overall ability to, to work with the company. And I was, I was surprised that about, you know, about half said it was really poor. I think mm-hmm. that basically they said that they had had bad communications, poor communications, you know, with their management and staff, um, they had a, had a challenging time actually trying to find ways to get back into the queue. Uh, now, that wasn't unexpected because as Microsoft uh, and other companies would go through and lay off employees, they also trimmed their own open roles as well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, publicly we saw, you know, roles that had originally, you know, listed in the thousands of open roles, you know, dwindling to a few hundred open yes. roles. Uh, within a short period of time, so I think that also impacted their ability and uh, their ability to execute. And so that's where their, you know, the feedback was overwhelmingly poor. You know, when it came down to being able to get the communications they needed, you know, from recruiting teams, being able to connect with hiring managers uh, and doing formal loops, and then also being able to just search for roles. Because again, it's the aspect of when you've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of people looking for, you know, jobs at the same time, recruiters that have already been trimmed you know, at those companies are overwhelmed trying mm-hmm. to figure out how they can manage the influx of all of those people. And so I think that, you know, overall, it's one where uh, they just had a, they were, they were left with, you know, a large burden of trying to navigate this at a very difficult time when there were very few resources to handle it. Right, right. Yeah. I, I, the other thing that I uh, noticed from your research were, was that some of the employees felt le- let down by their colleagues who are still at the place of employment, right? So maybe there's some advice for for us to just share with those people who are still still working. Like, you know, what could they be doing to be a little bit more helpful and a little bit more empathetic? Also challenging times for them, right? Because, you know, the work still has to be done. And talking to many of my colleagues still at Microsoft, they're, you know, now doing a couple jobs or they have additional responsibilities. But yeah, it's tough all over, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the challenges there is that the employee impact, it really is significant. You know, you, you find that, again, when people leave a team, and again, in some cases, you had, you know, entire teams that were impacted, as was, you know, uh, I think, you know, seen on Twitter and social media, you know, people would talk about how their entire team had been impacted. And in some cases, it could have been people that were part of a team. Well, what happens to those who are left behind? You know, certainly people lose their jobs and the company announces layoff. People have to pick up some of that work. As much as the work may not be deemed, you know, necessary going forward, the real business reality is often people still have to do some of that work. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody leaves a role, it doesn't mean magically that their responsibilities go away, that the things they were in flight disappear. Uh, sometimes people have to pick that stuff up. And so I think that's where you also had some challenges where people who were left behind and still employed, first of all, they have the, the the issues of being able to deal with this effectively. And that's really hard. The psychology of this uh, is, is really tough. And uh, being left behind, the, the survivor guilt uh, is real. I heard this from several people you know, who had, had talked about it. Uh, and then they have to pick up the work that's around them because uh, all the work that's left behind. And so it doesn't leave a lot of time because you're processing that at your own anguish and grief, et cetera. And it can be difficult because people don't know how to also psychologically deal with and work with people who have been laid off. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's the same kind of grief response you see when people pass away or are impacted. Very, very similar issues and trends. So I think that's one where um, just like you have to go through in the planning process, and something we've chatted about, which is being able to plan effectively for things like retirement. You need to be able to plan for and have a playbook almost in case you were to be impacted by a reduction in force or a layoff. And so I think some of the people who I think were able to handle this with the uh, most, the greatest level of understanding and grace who were impacted were those who had been through uh, a rift previously, mm-hmm. as were the people who were remained behind, people who had already been through this, had seen it, had experienced it, and they kind of knew what to anticipate. They knew what to plan for. They knew that there would be a difficult time. And as a result, you know, again, they, they planned for that. And so really challenging to be able to do that. But I think it's the ones where the most successful people are the ones that do put a plan into place. They're the ones that do realize they're going to have to accommodate some additional communications and work that they have to do along the way. And then I think the the ones that have uh, the ability and, and the bandwidth, when they can grant that level of empathy and understanding to those who are impacted, it's really important because that's something that also people who have been rift they remember that. And that goes a long, long way, you know, when it comes to creating uh, emotional and psychological safety going forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Experience is a great teacher. And there are always gifts from difficult experiences if you are are present and open to them. So, yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. And that's that's great advice. So, you know, as we we look forward here, um, the other I think thing pe- people are wrestling with is, well, you know, Microsoft has $17 billion in the bank. Mm-hmm. Isn't there better ways to do this? If you think about some of the lessons learned, um, some have offered, hey, why why didn't they take voluntary? Raise your hands if you want to be considered for a severance package. And they can always say no, right? Maybe if that job is super critical or you know, that person is irreplaceable, you know, but uh, are there any other ideas that you think could have, could be helpful to the leadership? 
Sure. I think one of the things that people really take away from this is that no role is irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's, if anything, it's making sure that you've, you, once you realize that, then you start making your own plans to make sure that you've got a really strong safety net should you need to apply it. You know, I think in some terms where we live here in the Pacific Northwest, where, you know, we do have earthquakes. They haven't happened lately, but they do happen. I came from the Bay Area where we had them as well. Uh, good to have a go bag and be prepared uh, as well. I think you need to have the same thing for your career. You know, it's really important to have that, that kind of that virtual go bag of things you need to rely upon. But but it, but it is an effort that, you know, executives can think a little bit more about how they do this productively. And again, it's one of those areas where companies like Microsoft and others, they don't just go through reductions in force or layoffs like last quarter. They do these on a rolling basis. You just may not see them in the press all the time. They're constantly reviewing the investments they make. They consistently look at the people that they have in place, the resources they've applied, uh, and the efforts they spend, you know, as a public company, but also, you know, as a going concern, how they do that most effectively for their own teams. Now, you see this one because, you know, it's over the Warren limits, the Washington mm-hmm. uh, uh, reporting uh, that we have here locally, which has a certain ceiling to the number of where you have to report, the number of layoffs that are impacted, um, but also it's material. Because, yeah. you know, it's so many thousands of people. And so I think that certainly there are things, you know, that 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 executives and companies can do. And certainly it's the ability to be able to plan and be more mindful for it, um, to have the uh, the discussions, you know, across teams. I think one of the things that I've seen uh, Judson uh, Altoff and his leadership team, along with uh, Jean-Philippe, it was really implementing the idea of model coach care. And when you apply the model coach care principles uh, to this type of effort, you realize that it can be really applicable. You know, and I talk about that. It's like the, you know, model, you know, doing what you say, saying what you do. And when you think about this and you work with your teams to regularly prune and manage uh, the, the level of employment you have in your teams, it's just like pruning a bush or a tree that you have in your yard. Uh, if you let it be overgrown, it's going to be unmanageable. But if you're always consistently looking to how to grow people, to move them into the next role, to get them to migrate into another, the next opportunity, be able to grow those teams, you know, larger and smaller, super helpful. The coaching aspect, I think, is also equally important because, again, when you coach, you know, up and down your teams to think about these things to be more planful and mindful of it, then as a result, it's not a surprise and you don't have to actually make a whipsawed effort uh, as well to kind of correct the problem. But I think more importantly, you know, the one that a lot of people like to talk about um, but I, you, you always question, is there really any oomph behind it is the care piece. Mm-hmm. And, you know, care is so important because, uh, I'd read several articles, um, cause I'm a voracious reader and sharer of those things. Um, but you know, th- there are some great things about, uh, there's an article from, um, uh, Sukhar and Gupta on, you know, how we do better layoffs and a better, fairer approach to it. Really good article about this because I've also seen how companies are using the furloughed program and the selections you talk about where you can self-select and put your hand up as well. Um, but I've seen great examples of where, you know, uh, people, you know, executives at Honeywell, executives at Apple, you know, they haven't had to go through these tremendous layoffs. Why? Well, they probably had a longer plan for being able to deal with this in a much more methodical and process-oriented way. Um, and when it did happen, they also put some of those plans into action. Uh, again, I think that we've also just seen, uh, not in Microsoft or other companies' defense, but we're, you know, la- last year, you know, and even during COVID, we had some just incredible, you know, once in a generation impacts, you know, to the business ecosystem. And so people had to respond to that and make some changes. 
Yeah, yeah. It's really hard to plan for a global pandemic when you don't have a playbook, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I, you know, the number of times we talked about, you know, it's like, you know, when, when work for home truly became work, work you know, work always, yes. uh, you know, that was that was seen in spades, you know, during the pandemic. And I think the something similar is true when it comes down to this when, you know, when we have all this level of business impact. Uh, you know, Microsoft was just one of the companies that contributed to that over 200,000 number of employees that are impacted in the, in the wave of layoffs. That's right. That's right. So for some of the folks who are, uh, I'm just, you know, thinking about that model coach care and making sure it flows down a large organization is really tough. And I, I'm remembering now uh, there was a launch of the culture conversations at Microsoft, which is a great opportunity to create white space, should happen yeah. all the time and be consistent, you know, in good times or bad. Yeah. And this program was rolling out and they hadn't addressed the number one question that most employees would have on their minds, at least in the division that I was working in. And that was what about the layoffs? It wasn't even part of the script for managers to to address and lead. And even if the answer is, we're referring to Sacha's mail. This is the answer and this is the guidance, but hey, let's talk about it. So, you know, I think um, creating those forums is is very important. Creating those forums, especially in times of uncertainty, is, is really important. Were there other things that you learned in, I, I see that you cite a, a article by Susan Pepper, Peppercorn, how to support your, your remaining employees after a layoff. Were there other things that came forward in that piece of um, guidance? Yeah. I, I, by the way, I think uh, Peppercorn's article is really, really good. There are several uh, kind of along the lines, but it really makes you, makes you think about what are the things you need to think about and what can you do as a manager, as a peer, you know, uh, to help those people. Um, you know, there, that and a few of our articles, I think, and, and some of these, uh, there's a couple of TED Talks as well that are really helpful in going through this as well. Um, Fred Thiel, uh, Thiel, Thiel, who's uh, um, on our HR team. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I'm talking about everything in the present tense. I have to think about it again. Let me say that again. Mm-hmm. Fred Thiel, who basically is on Microsoft's HR team, uh, as I'm retired, uh, you know, I had had uh, you know talked about I think some of the aspects and the strategy they were using as well when it came down to you know looking at some of these impacts. And it really kind of came down is uh, I have to go back and look at the five point plan. But, you know, one of these people was being one of these aspects was being able to listen to people, mm-hmm. you know, being able to demonstrate your values and talk about, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk. Uh, Brad Smith, you know, has said many times, you know, Microsoft's employees are one of its greatest assets. And so that means you care for them. You protect mm-hmm. them. You you know do what you can to um, you know uh, keep 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 them safe, and so I think that that's important to be able to provide the right level of benefits and, and support for it as well. But you need to think about those programs, you know, as they go forward. You need to be able to look at how you pay and reward them, uh, and then also making sure that you're working with them to uh, so that employees have choices uh, when it comes down to the work that they do and how they move forward. I think that's one of the the good things that really has happened, you know, happened during my tenure at the company was the openness in the way that people approach the ability to move across and to new roles. Mm-hmm. You know, historically, it may have been more challenging for people, you know, a decade ago to move from one team to another. Uh, I think one of the things that happened truly in the last, you know, five to 10 years is that the ability for people to migrate 
throughout the company to move to different roles uh, has been well supported because people see it again that that is truly a growth mindset, not a closed mindset approach. Being able to get and I, I'm actually a, I think a, uh, an example of that where you know having the opportunity to work across multiple teams, organizations, divisions, you know, work with engineering, marketing, and now sales and marketing, uh, it's been very different. And having that ability and giving and giving people in the company a choice to be able to do that and supporting it, really, really helpful. So I think all those things combined are the things they can do. And then again, the education that goes along with it, the area where when we can be open and thoughtful and respectful about the decisions we make and the, and the decisions that executives make that are going to impact people's lives, the ability they can demonstrate that they're really supporting them through that mm -hmm. process. And then more importantly, and this is something that we could all do better, is supporting folks after the fact. You know, right. It's the one where the, the check-ins you do and some of the, the best managers that I've heard story of, because several employees came to me and said, you know, I love the fact that my prior manager, who I'm guessing had no understanding that I was going to get laid off, had reached out to me, not once, not twice, but several times to help me in my career decisions, to make sure that I was doing well emotionally and physically, and that I was also doing the things I needed to do to kind of pick myself up, dust off my resume, and get out there and look for new roles and be my advocate. And so the more and more that people are doing that, the better it is as well, you know, for their next steps and what they do in their careers. Yeah. And those examples are true leaders who are leading when no one else is looking, right? They're doing the right things. They've they've embraced model coach and care. That's that's awesome. That's awesome Absolutely. to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we're, we're, you know, with the economy being the way it is, reduction in, in workforce and, and layoffs is just something to accept and be prepared for, as, as we stated. And with the uh, momentum behind AI, I think that uh, employees also have to be thinking about how do I differentiate my role? How do I continue to uh, shine when these hard decisions have to be made? Any advice for for those folks? Uh, yeah, or are, so, are all of our listeners, because AI is far reaching. Um, and it's a discussion I have regularly with my youngest son who's at home who looks at this and says, even his own his own career aspects and prospects, it's like, you know, am I going to be out of a job, you know, in, you know, in, uh, in engineering development and program management, you know, years from now? And I said, if you learn how to use these tools, it's not so different than when I was a kid, you know, and I got my first computer, you know, mm -hmm. Canadian Tire back in the day at Commodore 64. I was using a PDP-11 at school. Um, or the first Macintosh when I got at McGill, you know, it was like, you know, being able to like, you know, embrace the technology as much as possible because people were terrified. Oh my gosh, it's going to take away my job. Well, and actually it, it, it launched my career. And I think the same thing can be true. I think when it comes to AI, people being able to embrace and, and leverage it and understand it, uh, is really helpful. We're kind of in the wild west part of it, you know, over the last, you know, year, couple of years as well in particular. Um, but there are ways that people can use it to their benefit. You know, I'd seen uh, a story on one of those forms uh, that we have of Microsoft employees that are impacted by the rifts uh, where you know, not only they, but also managers who want to support them and others who want to support them are there. Uh, one of them was talking about how they were using AI to edit his resumes, to actually 
you know, dis discern specific companies that may have jobs that would be worth his while to actually apply for and handle the process for it. And wow. then to handle the emails that came in for it. And so now he's, he's created his own side gig of saying, maybe I need to offer this as a service to others and people piling on saying, yes, please teach me how to do this. So I think you can use, you know, certainly AI and the technology to help you in that, in that goal day to day. Uh, and, and people will be learning how to, to do that overall. And, and if you look at where we are today versus a year or two from now, certainly the, the work that's been recently announced, you know, in some of the, uh, the, the augmentations to Windows and to the M365 Office uh, uh, suite as well, where they're using AI you know, in a series of assistants, certainly that technology is going to help people more and more. And so I think that people, it'll, it'll be there to help people in their roles. And for those who are truly growth mindset, thinking about how they can use new technologies you know, in their own work day to day, this will just be another tool in their tool belt to help them be successful. Yeah, yeah. Just thinking about, you know, how to offload some of the things that are less strategic to get to the more strategic thinking and application of your time and energy, right? Absolutely. I think it's one of the things where as uh, a few years ago, you know, one of the uh, big things that people started to attack on was using, you know, some you know, low cost work centers to leverage, you know, personal assistance. And, yes. uh, you know, first of all, I'd seen people here uh, in low cost labor markets in the United States were providing their services, you know, as the Internet was available, you know, to executives and even, you know, regular line managers and employees. Uh, to help them with personal assistant tasks through the day that they didn't know they could afford. Well, now magically they can afford it because they can do it in an economy of scale. I think AI is another example of how that's going to be augmented as well. And so those same people who are doing personal assistance work will be able to leverage AI and support even more people, you know, doing some of that work. People will be able to do it directly. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm excited by that because you can take over some of the more mundane tasks and things I need to do, mm -hmm. like balancing my checkbook. I don't think I've ever balanced a checkbook in the last 10 years uh, much like I did you know, probably 30 or 40 years ago, because uh, it's all done magically for me. And I think a lot of that has to do with some of the automated tasks and probably even AI to help me going forward on that. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm very optimistic. I, and I already use ChatGPT almost every day. So it's it's super fun to see where this takes us. And I know, of course, there's a lot of concern, too. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're hopeful that all the experts will, will weigh in on regulation and and watching it so you know we we make the best decisions for for us all here on planet earth so uh we do try and inject a little humor and levity and this was was uh both a very informative discussion is uh, m3 you've given us just a ton to think about uh i was also thinking about how do we inject a little humor if you're in the position to be um, a little bit mischievous. So here are three things you can do when you know you're going to get laid off. <laughs> the first one. Now, many companies have implemented unlimited vacation. We think that they can't let you go if they can't find you. So keep up taking those vacation days. If you hear the days coming, be out of the office. Uh, get working on your resume. Uh, eventually, we know they'll they'll find you, right? But 
Well, I mean, that's one of the things again. <laughs> work from you know, work from home, or you know, you know, uh, the work life balance becomes work always as well. And it's like uh, my one of my favorite oof messages was, by the way, I'm really oof. You won't be able to find me. There is no mobile <laughs> phone you can call. There's no mobile phone to call. There is no email address you can reach. I am really out of the office, and so out of facility. Yeah, not kidding. Not kidding. Uh, the second one. So you have the HR conversation. Your manager lets you know that the uh, that your role no longer exists. Make sure you have a confetti can available to pop that off at the right moment. And on your side of the video, we see the confetti come down saying thank you so much for this conversation. <laughs> Uh, I, I almost thought as you said that maybe I should just go back to the old uh, uh, the old quip. I know you are, but what am I from Huey Herman? You know, if you just keep saying that enough times, maybe it goes away. I don't think that's really the case. Yeah. That's right. Uh, I, I think I, the only thing I'd probably be careful of is like you know the old snake in the can or the confetti in the can uh, confetti in the can trick. Be really careful because you don't want to have an HR violation on your uh, on your doorstep as well. That's that true. Bad. That's true. Yeah, yeah. You want to be clear that you know the package and you're getting one. <laughs> Something That's like absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Wait till the it's all signed. <laughs> the last one, and just because I'm mischievous, I just think it makes me smile to think of someone coming to that important HR meeting dressed in costume. Why couldn't they come as Elvis or Spider Man or, I don't know, Dory from Finding Nemo? Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I'm reminded of, you know, my uh, family and I, we watched Ted Lasso. Um, we great waited show. until later. Yeah, what a great show. And I think it's, you know, I, I probably dress up as a goldfish because, you know, 10 seconds later, it's like, so why are we here? What are we talking about? I'm going to go back to my job now. I'll talk to you later. Good to see you. Make sure, make sure. Here's some cookies for you. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's kind of where you end up with that overall. Yeah. I love it. Don't accept it. That's well, if, if you don't remember it 10 seconds later, did it really happen? So, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. So hopefully that just makes some folks laugh. And uh, obviously that's um, guidance that you may or may not want to follow. Uh, what we do want you to follow, though, is some of the advice that M3 put forward is, is have a plan in place in the event that your job could be impacted. Think about yourself financially, emotionally, keep your networks up, right? Make sure that you're talking to people about the things that you like to do most. So when positions become available, you're top of mind. I think also um, be good to yourself, right? These are can be stressful times and keeping this all in perspective and making sure you're also coming to work with a place of gratitude. There's a lot in your life um, besides perhaps a looming riff to be grateful for. And putting that in perspective, I think is helpful. No, absolutely. I think as much as you can be planful and mindful of having fire extinguishers in your home, it's always good to have a plan, you know, mm -hmm. knowing the right way to get out and the place to meet in case something happens. The same thing is true, I think, for these times, un unexpected situations you may not ever have to deal with the riff. I think, you know, I think as I'd reflected on, I've had, you know, two or three occasions in my own career where I've been impacted, you know, by a reduction force or a layoff. Uh, and so I, I remember them quite poignantly. And I think you, you learn from it and you make sure you have a plan in place to deal with it as well. 
Um, but I think as you know, we have spoken, you know, just like you have a financial plan that you're going to put together for, you know, any of the major times in your life, you know, buying a house, getting married, uh, you know, retiring, uh, you have to have a plan for this as well. And as long as you take the time to map it out, figure out the what ifs, who would I contact? Where do I need to go? What do I need to do? How can, how long can I survive in my savings as well? Those are all things you should be planning for, you know, in the event that this could happen, you know, to you or to someone you know. And as much as you can do that, the best thing you can do is just be prepared. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the last thing that comes to mind, and we touched on this in our conversation, is to be as good as you can to the people who are impacted. If you see an opportunity to help, even a text message, hey, I'm thinking about you. Is there anything that I can help you with? Um, also. In some cases, I, I talked to a, quite a few people who were impacted, and they said that their colleagues treated them almost like they had died, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> had this long face. And, you know, uh, many people can deal with change better or, or you know, are more resilient to change, I, sh- I should say. Mm-hmm. And it's not always bad news. It's like maybe you address the conversation with how are you feeling, mm-hmm. you know, before you react all gloom and doom. Mm-hmm. No, it's yeah. true. And I think, you know, it's it's one of those areas uh, that I've even gone through when I've talked to people who've been impacted. It's what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. This, this is the, again, if you apply, and it, it may be uh, morbid, but you apply some of the same lessons you learn in bereavement or support as well. It's like, it's not so much like, oh, I feel bad for you. It's like, no, what can I do for you? What, mm-hmm. what do you need? You know, where do you want to go? What what could we do differently? How can we change, you know, the mindset as much as possible? And how can we move forward? Because we can dwell in the past, or you can really live in the present and move forward as well. And I think that's the real, uh, the opportunity you have in working with people. And again, as I echo again, you know, some of the most positive people who had the, the best examples of where they felt the most support was when their managers and their peers actually had reached out and provided that level of you know support for them and and engagement and empathy and not so much for I feel bad for you but it's like how can I help what can we right. do next right and our souls were wired for goodness so acting on those inclinations is always rewarding too it's just making the time like anything else right absolutely absolutely yeah well, M3, it's been such a pleasure. Great conversation. Thank you for doing what you're doing in the community. And, you know, these insights are helpful. I think they're helpful to all of our listeners because you're going to be on one side of the coin. <laughs> you likely uh, know someone who's impacted, have been impacted, or maybe in the future have had that situation. So um, very, very helpful. And we'd love to have you back sometime. Great. Well, thanks. Good to see you. Thank you again. Uh, and uh, I will, uh, again, sink like a goldfish, whatever you can do. I've got to go, I got to go perfect my cookie recipe now. So I'm going to go do that over the weekend for the long weekend we have going forward. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, that'll be a treat for everyone in your household. Absolutely. Thank you again. And thank you again, M3. We'll sign off now. Take care, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Our hope is to spark a little joy, inspire, and educate our listeners in ways to live an even more meaningful life. If you have reactions to share from what you've heard, please visit our website, refirement.life, to leave a voice message. You may even be featured in a future episode. To keep in touch, subscribe to our podcast, Refirement Life, 
using the podcast player of your choice. Always remember, you are never too old to set a new goal or to dream a new dream. Thanks again for joining us on this episode. Until next time.